because our body definitely is always giving us signs. And then we need to differentiate in between what is the sign from our truth versus what is the sign from our trauma. Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Liz. We are business owners turned podcasters. This show gives you the permission and tools to create your courageous second act. We call this the afterglow. Welcome to the afterglow. Today we are chatting with Nicole Lowe's. Nicole is a yoga teacher and a Feldenkrais and somatic experiencing practitioner. She combines her trainings to address people's patterns that are based in trauma in her intuitive and awareness-based style. Her hope is that more people recognize their ability to move out of survival and past the blocks that are stopping them, you, us, me, from living a fulfilling life. She is an explorer, a surfer, and a lover of the ocean and big old trees. Joining us all the way from Vancouver, welcome, Nicole. Thank you. So great to be here. Welcome, Nicole. I'm so excited you're here. Julie knows about you. And for anyone who's listening, you know, full disclosure, you are my somatic practitioner. You've been so helpful for me. And even though you're based in Vancouver, we do our calls over Zoom and they work perfectly well even before, you know, coronavirus started. We've been doing this for a while. And now I'm really excited because I get to ask the questions. Nicole. Right? You get to put me on the spot. <laughs> yes, the tables are turned. <laughs> The roles are reversed. Yeah, roles are reversed. But you said, you know, Julie mentioned you've done your yoga teacher training, which is amazing. We own our yoga studio here in Toronto. But um, you've also done Feldenkrais and um, somatic experiencing. Can you explain those terms, those trainings a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So Feldenkrais is a movement-based practice that's based off of the work of Moshe Feldenkrais. And the easiest way to put it is it's all about exploring what your patterns and habits are within movement and learning how to be more efficient with how you use yourself. So it's working with the nervous system and it's working with the body in a deeper way than other movement practices because you're really learning to tune in to what feels efficient, what feels easy, where do you feel stuck, what's, what's overcompensating, undercompensating, and really starting to explore literally the rewiring of how we move through really subtle movements through those explorations of what is easy, what is effort. So that's Feldenkrais in a really, really short nutshell. <laughs> and then you can do it in, Yeah, it's really fascinating. And it changed how I taught yoga big time because it just gave me a totally different perspective of how I look at the body, right? Okay. And how, how we as human beings are designed to move and how much we hold on to a form or hold on to these patterns that ultimately we try to power through versus really finding these subtle adjustments that can ultimately rewire how our body moves so we don't have to even be powering through anything. I mean, the truth is that any kind of practice that brings us into our body is actually quite counter culture right now, right? Like it's revolutionary. (laughs) Um, so I love that, you know, this is even a deeper way. And then somatic, um, experiencing, tell us a yeah, bit about somatic that. Experiencing is the work of Peter Levine. Um, and it's all around working with trauma from a nervous system perspective. So the nervous system is ultimately how the brain and the, and the body communicate, right? There's, it's like a little highway of 
okay, what, what needs to happen here? And when we have trauma, it's us stuck within a pattern, believing we still need to survive. So it's important to recognize that trauma is not about all the events that have happened to us, but it's what didn't get to happen in those events, some sort of survival response that we're still stuck in. Mm -hmm. His work is all around helping people move out of those survival patterns and back into ultimately our life force, our truth, or how we are meant to live. Instead of being stuck in survival, we get to just live and be regulated and be able to adapt to whatever's showing up in our life. Mm -hmm. So he, his work is all around moving through those patterns. So you talk about stuck in survival. So I live in survival. Uh, I think that <laughs> That's a, lot of, in the world. <laughs> a lot of people do. And some of us sort of wear this as a badge of honor, right? We, we, we get up in the morning, we get our kids to school, happy, at least, maybe mostly, uh, fed and have their lunches with them. And that's a success. And then we go to work and then we're responding to other people's needs. And then we're, you know, and it's due and it's due and it's check the internet and it's respond and it's email. And then we go home and we make the dinner and hopefully it's healthy. And then we put the kids to bed and then we collapse Yep, and yeah. it's surviving, and then we get up and we do it all again. So, so what is it about getting out of survival? How how are we to get out of survival when I think most of us don't even know that that's actually how we're living? Yeah, you know, it's a great question because I think a lot of people are realizing nowadays that that is how they're living, right? I think yoga is a great in for that. It's like, oh, I'm starting to become aware of myself and become aware of my body and what's going on. And, and I think more and more people are recognizing, holy crap, I'm living in this like go, go, go place or the opposite of that totally shut down place. And there's curiosity there, which I think is so amazing. Right? It feels like the world is ready to learn that they're in this survival mode. And then it's about recognizing like, oh, I feel myself moving and living my life from this place of, okay, how, how, do, I, how do I take the next step? What, what's next? What's next? How do I go? How do I go? Like, how do I literally just make it through what I'm doing? Right? And then there's this like, but wait, there's something more to this. There's, there's more to living life and this isn't what it's all about. So like what that what Julie was talking about, I mean, I can also resonate with that, you know, yeah. so that's, I mean, it's basically chronic stress or overwhelm or the pace of our lives, right? And so there's all that busyness, which Julie said, we get that accomplishment feeling from, but what is it taking us away from? Like, what do we lose in that when we're in the survival state? Yeah, I mean, ultimately our truth, I think, you know, being connected to your truth, being connected to your deeper knowing, being connected to yourself, or just kind of moving in the routine of living surviving versus showing up authentically showing up in the way we want to be showing up in recognizing in who we are we don't even know who we are when we're in that mode right mm -hmm. so why do we live in that mode i mean i think that um you talked about trauma you talked about um you know living in the survival mode like what are we all traumatized? Is this why we're all living in this mode? Why, why are we here in the first place? Why are we choosing to live like this? And why are we not just automatically connected to our truth? Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. Help, me. Help me understand. <laughs> yeah, right? 
Well, uh, there's an, I think there's a lot of variables. One of them is cultural for sure, right? Like it is, I mean, COVID's a great example of how people are realizing how much of their life was just this routine of what they thought they should be doing, right? And now there's this space where it's like, oh, wait, I don't need to be getting up at 5.30 to get to the gym before I go to, before I make my kids my lunch, their lunch, before I go to work. You know, there's more space for them to realize like, oh, I don't have to be in that, right? So it's that cultural influence of what what should life look like right? i think that plays a part in it and then obviously um how you were raised which also is an influence of that cultural experience but how you were raised and what you saw your parents doing what what was taught to you as how should i be showing up in this world how should i be living my life and then obviously there's the trauma right so a great example of that would be when I was younger, I wasn't, it wasn't okay to be my authentic self. I couldn't speak up because it wasn't okay. I'd get punished or I'd get yelled at or I'd be ignored or I'd be shamed or I'd be bullied. Right. So then from very early age, we learned to shut that down because it's not okay. Cause I'm not accepted. It's not safe in my environment, whether it's family at school, at work, whatever right? It's not okay to be myself. So then I have to fit into this mold that is whoever's mold. You know, my parents mold, my teacher's mold, my caregiver's mold, my society's mold, my boss's mold. Part of the, you know, part of the reason why Julie and I wanted to start this show is to discuss the mold that women have been put into, you know, the social conditioning that, uh, you know, affects women. And so have you, have you contemplated that? Do you work with that at all? Do you see that showing up at all? This, you know, being held in by what's considered a socially acceptable to be a woman, how that gets in the yeah. way of our truth. My focus is less about what mold are you trying to fit into, but more on who are you really? Mm-hmm. Or what is this experience you're having that's that is having you stuck in that mold, right? So what is your experience? Because that's real. How do we support that experience? And then how do we get more curious about who you are in your truth? Mm. So, so one of the reasons that we get stuck, or, or, or I guess a big reason, and, and this is what you do is work on the nervous system, is that our nervous system gets stuck, right? It's our nervous system. So can you tell us why, or maybe just a little bit about the nervous system, which I know is like, you know, trying to get a whole... A lot of information into a small sort of period of time, or just so that our listeners can kind of get a grasp on like why is the nervous system so important and what does it do for us? So I'll I'll speak specifically to the autonomic nervous system. Um, That kind of has a direct connection with our lower brain that is all responsible for our survival situations, right? So even eating, drinking, reproducing, um, saving your life, right? All of that happens in that lower brain, the reptilian brain. And it's the nervous system that's in direct communication with that part of the brain, as well as the midbrain, where it's like assessing, constantly assessing, is my environment safe or not? It's that nervous system that's responsible for us feeling safe and connected with other people, it's that part of our nervous system that's responsible for resting and digesting. 
it's that part that's responsible for us being active and being engaged as well as us moving into that fight flee energy and shutting down. So it's ultimately everything we need to survive, right? So when we're working with that part of the nervous system, when we have trauma, we're kind of stuck in some sort of pattern that's trying to make us help us survive versus having that part of our nervous system communicate openly with what's going on in our environment and assessing what's going on in the environment being like, Oh, that stick is just a stick. Great. Carry on versus, Whoa, no, that's a snake. No, get out of the way. So when we have trauma and when we have dysregulation in that nervous system, meaning that nervous system is out of whack and it's not adjusting relative to our environment and relative to what's going on, then we're ultimately seeing everything as dangerous, right? Or we're ultimately just totally disconnected to everything and not noticing anything at all. So we're paying attention to these survival states. We're really bringing awareness to what what's happening there and then how do we support ourselves to kind of move through some of those stuck responses that we're in. And it's that old part of our brain that it's so easy to get stuck in that we can't cognitively work our way through it, right? Because it's so deep within the system in that survival piece that our cognitive brain, we can try to be like, okay, it's just a stick. It's just a stick. It's just a stick. But it's like, no, deep down, the system's like, nope, everything's dangerous. That's a snake. That's a snake. That's a snake. Our nervous system might be, um, you know, you use the terms dysregulated or, you know, and ideally we're aiming for regulation. So maybe talk a little bit about what's regulation, what's dysregulation, and what are some signs that we might be dysregulated and needing some nervous system support? Mm-hmm. So regulation ultimately is us moving through these states of, you know, feeling rested, being able to chill, watch Netflix and digest, being able to be socially engaging when we need to socially engage and connect with people, being able to be active and being able to respond if there's a threat. We want to be able to move through those states comfortably relative to what is going on in our environment. So that's regulation. I'm walking down the street and a car honks. I want to become more alert and move into more of that, okay, alertness, fight flea-ish energy of like, okay, is there danger? Nope, there isn't. Great. I'm going to come back down and continue walking, feeling, you know, connected with the friend I'm walking with. I'm continuously moving through these states. Versus someone who's dysregulated, they might be walking down the street already in more of an alert state, and then someone honks the horn, and then it's like, whoa, what's that? And then they're stuck in more of this, like, whoa, that's dangerous, and I'm now feeling this more activated energy in my body, and I can't really calm myself down from it. It's just like, oh, I'm on even more high alert, and I'm feeling my eyes jut around a lot more, and I can't really connect with the person I'm walking with. Yeah, I'm having a conversation, but I'm not really engaged. Like you can hear it in my voice, even as I'm talking about it, I'm sped up a little more. There's more in my energy right now as I talk about it, right? So then someone who's dysregulated kind of gets stuck in that on state, and we can only sustain that on state for so long before we crash and we end up more shutting down. So that's a really big sign of dysregulation. It's like you're always on and then you crash and then it's like, that's it. That's all. So I'm curious about these different states because you mentioned um, in the parasympathetic nervous system where you're um, rest and digest. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about that and also the shutdown. And I'm sure it's, 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 there's some things that we can learn about each stage. But so in the rest and digest, if we're sitting there scrolling through our phones, but not doing anything, lying on the couch, are we in rest and digest or are we in a different state? Like, are we actually allowing, you know, watching Netflix or, or it, looking at our phones? Are we in that state? Maybe. <laughs> so the thing with a dysregulated nervous system, when we kind of crash like that, we're moving more into a freezy shutdown state. And it's important to recognize that underneath freeze still is that sympathetic go, go, go energy that we need in that fight flee state, right? So when we're sitting there watching Netflix or scrolling on our phone, my question then would be, okay, do you feel connected to yourself or do you feel like you're totally disconnected and disengaged and distracting yourself? Because often we jump on social media or jump on Netflix to distract ourselves, to numb out, right? To disconnect, which nothing wrong with that. That's still helpful, you know, (laughs) but ultimately it's more the sense of like, but I don't want to, I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to veg out. That's very different than the end of the day or even in the middle of the day, needing a break and looking at your phone or watching Netflix but feeling your body connecting into the couch that you're sitting on and feeling your breath is calmer and still being aware of your state, recognizing that you're, you know, looking through Instagram from a perspective of engaging with the posts, not just to distract and and scroll and be like, yeah, whatever. Right. It's, more of a shutdown disconnecting state if you don't really feel anything and you're wanting to numb out it's more of that parasympathetic state if you can still stay connected to yourself are aware of yourself your breathing's calmer there's a sense of relaxing you're still engaged in what you're watching it's not just this numbed out experience that would be more resting and it's it's a fine line because when we look at the nervous system the resting state and the shutdown state are, are the same system. One is just numb out to preserve, to save your life, to, you know, do what you need to, to survive. The other is resting and recovering. And there can be a fine line there. It's so interesting what you're saying, because, um, you know, it, I can really relate to that just in terms of food, like food, it, I have a complicated relationship with food, which I'm sure I think a lot of women do. Um, and just, you know, I, I've noticed that food can be something I use just to, to reward myself, a treat, I'm present, I'm enjoying it, or it can be something I use to soothe myself, or it can be something I do to totally numb out, you know, I'm binging to you know not feel. And so it, you talk about awareness and curiosity. And so is that really when those tools come in? Is that what we need to start practicing? I think those are two of my favorite words. And I think the more aware we become, the more we can be curious about what's happening for us, right? So it's, like, okay, I know that there's a pattern here of always jumping on my phone or always going to grab food. And it's like, okay, well, what are you aware of with the impulse of wanting to jump on your phone or go to get food, right? Or whatever, you go for a run, whatever it is for you, right? It's like, what, what, are, what else is there with the impulse? Now, is this, is it this, like, actually, there's a lot of feeling there right now. There's a lot of something that I'm experiencing that I'm trying to avoid feeling and I'm wanting to do this to distract myself. Right? I'm wanting, this is too much and I want to go for a run to distract myself. Or some people 
would say that's moving some of the energy and it is, but it's also not working with what is actually there. So with awareness of like, okay, I'm noticing this impulse or this pattern. What, what am I noticing? Is this because, you know, I, I want to have this to help me as a resource to settle a little, or is it more I'm doing it to distract myself? It's so interesting to me to hear just the the talk about how the nervous system affects us. I mean, I think that we all and and or previously anyways, historically, we just go through our day-to-day lives just operating, right? We're not we're not having that awareness. We're not actually even paying attention to why we're doing the things we do or how our body moves or why we have that ache or why a certain thing triggers us to, to cry or to be angry or whatever. And I know that when I was watching your webinar and on the screen, um, you know, we we're talking, you were talking about trauma and all the different ways that trauma can show up for you in your life. Um, I was, I was really affected by this. I mean, I was sitting there watching the screen and looking at all the different ways and thinking like, I have experienced all of these things. I know that as a child, I was extremely sensitive and, you know, I was sort of taught to just be happy and just um, sort of, you know, push the the negative feelings or the sad feelings or the, the whatever, you know, ugly feelings aside. And so I would then hide that side of myself, how sensitive I was, it became a lot tougher. Um, and, and so can you speak a little bit about how trauma shows up in our nervous systems, in our bodies? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I was in awe of all the different ways. <laughs> I know that's, that, that was just a few examples too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've already talked a little bit about not being able to show up as yourself, right? That's a result of often a result. I mean, I don't want to make assumptions, right? Because we don't know until we start investigating, but often the inability to show up as ourselves is the result of, it not being okay when we were, we were younger, right? That bullying, that shaming, like fit the mold. That's a great example. Um, lack of focus, lack of motivation, lack of dra- drive, right? It's the, when we're stuck in the survival pattern, the focus of our system is to survive. It's not to be creative. It's not to produce. It's not to be motivated and, you know, lead, lead, lead a group of women to take over the world, (laughs) except when there's, you know, some fight flee energy, then that might show up, might also show up like that, right? There's a lot of groups out there that are really led by anger and power, like the want for power, right? That could be a form of trauma too, where there's this sense of like, a need to move into that fight flee energy and like really like fight for this, which it's great. We need, we need some of that, especially, in our society, it's like, how can we bring in some of that <clears throat> to claim our power? But it's coming from a place of trauma, right? It's coming from, I need to fight for this versus I'm coming from my truth and moving from there. It's a very different energy. Um, it can show up in chronic pain, right? Like 10 years ago, I had an accident and I've done everything to help my shoulder, but I still have chronic shoulder pain and it's because the tissue and the muscle or the bone even in the bone or the skin there's still this 
response that the body is still trying to protect itself from whatever happened in that fall or whatever, right? So there's this chronic pain because the body still believes it's trying to protect itself from that traumatic event. So that could be a sign of trauma. Um, chronic illness, disease, when we are living in survival, our system is so busy dealing with trying to survive that our system isn't functioning the way it needs to, to fight off disease, to fight off any sort of illness. So then we're more susceptible to getting sick because we're living in such a, such a survival state. Our, our immune system isn't working as, as we'd like it to, right? Our digestive system isn't working as we'd like it to. Oh, you had some great things on there. I mean, the bottling up of emotions, you know, not feeling. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So yeah, emotions, um, even being overexpressed or underexpressed, right? So the unhealthy expression of emotion, anger is a great example of that, where, you know, maybe anger was never okay to be felt or expressed. So then we have the inability to express anger when we want to express anger. Or the other end of it is the only way I know how to express anger is by raging. So then I just blow up. So I've got these unhealthy expressions of anger or I don't know how to be angry. So instead I just burst out and crying and it feels good because I'm moving some energy but I'm not ultimately getting to the underlying experience of the anger that I never got to feel or that needs to be moved through. So that's a few examples. <laughs> Tell us about that, about, about the over-emotional, about crying, because I always thought that crying was healthy, right? Like, uh-huh. like chemically, it does something for you to be able to cry and then you release, but um, it's a few times that I've heard this, that crying can be an incomplete response, right? Or an escape. And so, or like a coping mechanism in a way, right? It's right. like, oh, there's so much energy here. I don't know what to do with it. So I cry and that makes me feel better. But when we do that, we're not ultimately getting to the root of where that energy is coming from. And the energy that's being experienced or the overwhelm, that's the trauma. That's the incomplete survival response that's the the pattern that's there and I don't know what to do with it. So I cry and I feel better, but nothing changes because that underlying pattern hasn't changed. It's kind of like the crying helps. It's a resource. It's a coping mechanism to help move through that. But it's not getting to the root. I feel like there's more to explore there. Cause I feel, I, I don't know. I don't want to stereotype, but I know that um, for myself, I'm a woman and you know, being angry was not permitted and, um, you know, I tend to cry a lot and, uh, yeah, you know, I think, and there's, there's something about, you know, reclaiming that fight energy. So I feel like that could be a whole separate podcast, you know, I have a question for you just around, you have a longing for people to get out of survival and connect with who they truly are. And why is that important for you? I think I have always seen people for their for their strengths. I've always seen people like when I see people, I just see their essence, right? I'm really grateful to have that because I, yeah, like I've never seen people for what they, what's wrong. I've always seen people for the, for their truth or whatever words you want to kind of plug in there. But I think that's why I really love this work is because I see that. Right? And I see that in everyone, everyone, like even the psychopaths and sociopaths, it's like, it's there. 
maybe you won't access it in this lifetime, but that's okay. And it's, I have so much compassion for people and I really, really want to see as many people as possible step into that, right? Just to become even just a little bit more connected with themselves and to recognize their potential and, and to really own it because that's what we're here to do. I see you as wanting to help people thrive. In life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Gets me excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm curious if that comes from a place of your own experience of, of, of why you got into this path in the first place. Was there, was there something missing for you? Did you experience your own traumas? Like what led you to go deeper in this place and want to serve others? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I've always been like this. I've been like really grateful for how I was raised and very, it was very available for me to just be myself. I mean, I of course still have my limitations where I am stuck, but it was always acceptable for me to just be me. And I was always supported in making whatever choice I wanted. It sometimes drove me crazy because I'd be like, mom, dad, tell me what to do. And they're like, no, you'll figure it out. I'm like, ah, you know, (laughs) like hippies or, I mean, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, my mom was definitely a hippie. My, we come like that side of the family was very laid back and very just connected with nature and very outdoorsy athletic, but from a very grounded place. So I think that has always been my underlying you know the underlying way of how I show up in the world and how I show up in my work um I even remember in high school hanging out with friends and you know they'd be heckling people and I'd be like guys stop it like so you know like there's there's always been this no like can't you see they're they're all human they're all just trying to do what they need to do to survive here like leave them alone um and then when I started teaching, like I've done a lot of teaching. I taught swimming for a long time. I taught snowboarding. I was a raft guide. Like I've always been involved in helping people. And I think when I got into teaching yoga and Feldenkrais, it felt like I wasn't getting to the depth of helping people. So I was helping people and getting people to learn more about themselves and get into their body more and understand what was going on. But it still felt like there was a depth that I wasn't quite reaching. And I think that's what drew me to, to the somatic experiencing practice because I didn't know what was next and spirituality wasn't really jiving with me. Like I couldn't quite grasp it. Um, And I think that's the case for a lot of people because we either bypass and, and get it or we need to move through our trauma to get it is, is my, has been my experience. Um, so I got into somatic experiencing because a number of friends were practitioners and it was one of those like, eh, okay, I'll just sign up for the training. And the first day I still remember sitting there and everything they were teaching, it was like, I already knew it, but didn't have words for it. And I was like, this, this is the next layer that, that depth that I've been missing in my other teachings. And it's just helped me access, helped me help other people access that depth, right? And that that sense of their truth. And now I have a totally different relationship with spirituality because I have a deeper understanding of myself because I've moved through the the traumas. I mean, I still have trauma and we will for life, but <laughs> there's greater access to what it means to be me. 
And it's like all, everything I've done in the past has led me to this, right? And like just having that underlying sense of seeing that truth in everyone, but not knowing how to help people access that. And now I feel like I have access to help people in that. So do we all have some form of trauma? I definitely think everyone's nervous system is dysregulated in some form. I mean, maybe there's the odd person who's not, but you know, like we all respond to certain triggers in certain ways that maybe can be moved through and the trigger no longer needs to be a trigger. You say to strive for regulation instead of happiness. Yes. That feels a little backwards to me, I got to say. That's fair. Because obviously I don't know enough about regulation or how to get there. And I've also been conditioned to just be happy and strive for happiness, right? And so do yeah. all the things that get you there. So so how do we, what are the steps, what are the, the things I need to know to get to regulation? I'll use my river analogy, which I really love. And this comes from Peter Levine's work and I've kind of just interpreted or made my own little version of it. But ultimately when we're in, a, if we imagine ourselves floating down a river, that's when we're in flow. That's when we have access to all of our emotions in healthy form, right? When we're floating down a river, down this river of life, I call it, there's access to anger when I need anger. There's access to uh, fear when I need fear. There's access to disgust when I need disgust. I can move through whatever is needed. I'm speaking emotionally right now, but whatever is needed, given the environment, I'm able to move through it, right? Um, something happens, I get in a car accident, I'm moving into the response of, you know, okay, survival response, fight, flee, energy, what's going on? Am I safe? No, I'm not. I can still be in the river and experiencing that. But then I move through it and then I'm okay. I recognize I'm safe again and I'm out of danger and I'm back into more of the flow, not just surviving, right? So that's regulation. That's what we want to work towards is being able to adapt and adjust to whatever's happening in our environment and be able to move through it. So the threat passes, okay, I'm safe again. Or someone crosses my boundaries, I get angry, okay, I said, said, said what I needed to say, set my boundary where it's clear, I'm no longer angry, right? We're constantly able to adapt to whatever's going on in our life. But when we're, we have trauma, something happens, and instead of kind of moving in the flow of it, moving in the regulation of it, we then, then instead get sucked into one of our trauma patterns, and we're caught up in the pattern of it all. And we're trying to you know, live our life and move through that situation, but we're stuck in this vortex off to the side of the river. So instead of being in the river and adapting and moving and you know bang, banging off the banks and going with the flow and adjusting to whatever is showing up, it's more we're stuck in this vortex. And the vortex is, is driving how we show up, the patterns relative to us stuck in a survival response from wherever that survival response came from, whether it was our own trauma or past generational traumas, who knows, right? But regardless, I'm stuck in this pattern. And that would be dysregulation. I'm more stuck in this pattern trying to survive 
working my way, trying to get back into the river. And I might end up back in the river and find my flow again. Great. And then something else happens. And then that triggers me into an old response. I'm stuck in that pattern. So then if we put happiness in there, if I'm stuck in a vortex in my pattern and I'm trying to, to thrive for happiness, I'm just ignoring the, the trauma pattern and trying to pull myself out of it to get back to the river. What we need to do is work through the trauma pattern, learn what we're stuck in. Uh, it's an incomplete survival response. So we're working towards healing that survival response. So that vortex is no longer there. Again, this takes work and, and it's how the how is depending on the person and what shows up. But ultimately, we want to work with the energy of moving through that survival response so that vortex eventually gets smaller and smaller, less intense. We get less triggered until eventually we're no longer triggered by that thing and we can respond from that place that we're in the river where it's like, oh, something happened, boom, I move into responding how I need to respond, but then I'm back in my flow, in my regulation. So it's not about never being triggered or never coming out of balance or never feeling discomfort. It's about how we manage. Exactly. We want to be able to move through. Everything is energy and motion, right? We want to be able to move through it, not get stuck spiraling and spiraling in the pattern that we know so well. I mean, some of what we're talking about now, so trauma is past, right? Something that's happened in the past that's stuck in the body. And then right now we're in the middle of a, a COVID-19 situation, which is a very mm-hmm. stressful situation. So how can people digest? Do you have any tips or tools for people to digest the stress of what's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, it's going to depend on every single person's going to be different, but ultimately just learning to pay attention to what's happening within your body, right? That That is somatic. It's like, what's happening in my body? We're so used to thinking our way through things or trying to solve problems, but the invitation just to notice if you can get to know yourself a little bit more on what's happening in your body noticing just the survival states like am I really resting here or do I actually feel like I'm disconnecting and nothing wrong with that but oh great that's there's some information there I'm noticing I need to disconnect here versus do I ever rest oh okay I remember when I'm doing this I feel more restful or oh I'm engaging with friends and I'm on zoom it's like am I really here engaging with them do I feel connection Do I feel connection to myself as I'm engaging with them? Can I feel myself sitting on the chair? Do I notice my breathing? Do I notice there's a sensation there? Or do do I feel totally disconnected or totally just like, ah, on in more of a sympathetic go, go, go state and I'm having a hard time listening? But just bringing awareness to what is for you. It's almost like meditating we're doing, you know, for 10 minutes in the morning. We need to somehow maintain that state throughout our day more awareness throughout our day. Yeah, more awareness throughout the day or just the invitation to check in. Oh, how am I right now? I've been on Instagram for 10 minutes. What happens if I just notice I was on Instagram for 10 minutes and I pause and I look up and I look out my window and I connect with my environment a little bit more just to bring awareness of like, where am I at? Mm-hmm. I think that alone is a huge tool that many people don't do. And then it's like, okay, what do I do with the information of where I'm at? But but at least starting with the awareness of what is my experience right now? In just hearing you speak and speak about your past and speak about your childhood, I mean, I feel like more 
the world needs more of you. The world needs more people who were raised in the environment to think for themselves, who who have a desire to help and heal others. What inspires you to be your most courageous self? I would say that it's my clients that inspire me the most. That's um, me. That's me. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely Liz. <Thanks>, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but hands down, like their commitment and their their curiosity on there's a piece of the know the knowing, like there's more to this. There's more to me. There's more to life. And that drive and dedication that they have in doing doing the exploration, you know, and who am I to not show up in my strength and in my essence and in, you know, the best that I can be when they're doing that too. They're trying to access that too. So I would hands down say my clients are for sure what inspire me to be my most courageous self. How do you trust yourself? Um, you know, there's so many different outside influences telling us what to do, how to be. How do you trust yourself? I just know. That's yeah. amazing. And I, like I said, I, that's kind of always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also always had the opportunity to just follow that. Whereas I think a lot of people, it's always there but maybe the opportunity to follow it hasn't always been there. So then it gets numbed out or ignored. But to me, I think everyone knows. It's just a matter of trusting it and listening. Beautiful. I believe that. I believe that everyone knows, um, you know, really deep down. And it's about just peeling off those layers of everything that we've kind of piled on top of ourselves and created these shields and, and ways of operating in our lives. And so many of us don't even know, right, that this is how we're operating. And, and physically, um, you know, we move through our world in certain ways, and we don't even realize you're talking about somatic experiencing. We don't even realize that the way that we physically move is a result also of our experiences and of our traumas. Gabor Mate talks about, you know, when the body says no, he's written books about it and, and how the body is constantly giving us signs. What's your take on that? Like, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's an interesting concept because our body definitely is always giving us signs. And then we need to differentiate in between what is the sign from our truth Versus what is the sign from our trauma? Mm-hmm. Because we can get signs of like, no, don't do that. That's not safe. Like, okay, let's use a, quitting a job as an example. It's like, no, don't quit, which both of you, you know, you can probably speak of this. It's like, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to be doing this job anymore. But then it's like, a, no, no, stay, stay. Don't quit the job, right? Your body's like, no, no, don't, don't quit. Quit the mm-hmm. job, stay here because it's safe. And the other option feels way too scary. So the body's saying, no, don't quit the job. But if you listen deeper, there's probably another signal that's like, no, leave. This is not okay. It's going to be scary. And that's why the body's like, no, no, don't go. But deeper down, there's a knowing that's like, no, this is what you need to do. So I think the body says a lot. And it's a matter of recognizing the difference of like the deeper knowing and our instincts and our intuition versus our trauma getting in our way. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that fear can be persuasive, you yep. know, and it's almost like the fear is the nervous system response and then that deeper yeah. knowing or um, the fear is the fight or flight response and that deeper knowing is that um, social engagement that you were talking about, that free rested yeah. to connect. I don't know. Yeah, to me, the deeper knowing is just like there's a depth to it. There's a quietness to it. There's just like there's no drama in it, you know, there's just like, you know. Whereas the other, when the body's speaking more from a response of like, no, this, we need to do this because it, it's safer. There's more like energy to it, right? There's more like, it's coming from a place of a little more of that fight flight energy instead of just like, oh, I know. Well, thank you for this therapy session. I feel mm-hmm. like uh, I owe you a big fat check. I could <laughs> continue going on and discussing all my deepest, darkest secrets. And maybe you can help me a little bit more. But another question we like to ask is what is your afterglow? So you're here and you are in this practice. You have um, clients who you are serving and helping and healing. What is next for you? What do you see as your next 40 to 50 years? What's your afterglow? My afterglow that I wish for the world is that everyone learns about this work, that everyone understands more about their nervous system and their survival responses. And that, you know, it's teachers, parents, um, all start raising children or influencing children in a way where their nervous system responses are supported, right? where there's just more awareness around that and that that's brought into how the school system, it's brought into sports, it's brought into everything we do. That would be my world, world afterglow wish (laughs) is for that knowledge to be there. And then for myself, I mean, 40 years puts me at 80 ish. I'm pretty sure I'll still just be doing this work because I I know I'm not retiring ever. (laughs) You're good. I I need you too. (laughs) Well, hopefully by then you'll be, you know, in the same role and supporting others from that perspective because the knowledge is there. I mean, it already is there. What's one thing you'd like our listeners to take away from this? Because so for a lot of our listeners, this is going to be very new information. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's one thing you'd like them to know or take away? The invitation just to get to know yourself a little bit more from a, from a body perspective that the mind is the newest piece of our brain. If you look at evolution and the more you learn to listen to your nervous system and your body, the more you'll get to know yourself and be able to support yourself in such a different way in a, in an ever changing way that will ultimately make real lasting change. So just the invitation around the curiosity of your nervous system and your body and how, what it has to share with you. Beautiful. I long for that world too, free of survive, you know, out of outside of um, survival based fear really. Right. And um, towards, um, you know, love and playfulness and connection. Totally. I agree. So where can we find you, Nicole? You have an awesome free webinar about the nervous system regulation on your website. Can you give us some details about this and and other ways that we can find you? Yeah. So my website's just my name. So NicoleLowes.com. Lowes, L-O-H-S-E. Yep. You got it. 
So that's a place where all my information will be. So the webinar, um, um, and then through there, you, you can also see my any YouTube videos I post, or you can Google me on YouTube, um, on Instagram, I'm Enlows. Um, my intentions are to put as much free content out as I can just to help educate people on this and provide some tools. And then I also have a program that I'm in the midst of right now, but I'll run another one in the fall that'll provide people with more education and opportunity for self-exploration and self-reflecting from a nervous system perspective, just getting to know themselves and understanding this work from a deeper perspective. So that'll happen again in the fall, but yeah, you can just go to my website and have a newsletter and a that I never send out anything because I'm terrible at newsletters. But <laughs> but when I have stuff going, I will send a, the odd email out being like, hey, I've got a course coming up in case you want to join. But best to follow me on social media because that's where I post. Amazing. We'll link to your webinar too in our show notes. Perfect. Because uh, it's definitely worth watching. Lots of good information there. Perfect. Yeah. Well, and feel free to reach out anytime because... I love geeking out about this stuff. We have really only scratched the surface on all of this. So I know that there's more to talk about here. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and information with our listeners. So happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. I, I love any opportunity to share this information. So I'm grateful for what you both are providing. It's really important to just be getting the word out about everything around Afterglow. I think it's such a valuable thing you're offering. So thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening in. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Afterglow Podcast official and take a minute to leave us a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Lift a sister up and share the Afterglow with others who are seeking their courageous second act.